Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. If you are new, if this is your first time listening, welcome. So glad you're here. My name is John Whitaker, and my heart on this podcast is to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology that's rooted in everyday life, that's in the language of everyday life, so that we can follow Jesus in our everyday life. And if that sounds like it would be helpful to you, man, stick around, check out some of the past episodes, subscribe. Uh, if you've been listening for a while, you found this podcast valuable, I would encourage you to leave a review on whatever podcast player you're listening to if they have that option, particularly on Apple Podcasts. That just helps promote the podcast so more people can find it. And so rate, review it over there on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're able to do that at. Uh, that would really mean a lot to me and help more people find the podcast. We wrapped up a series uh, last week where we were wrestling with various questions of faith and doubt and the kind of stuff that oftentimes we wrestle with as people who are reading the Bible and trying to follow Jesus and just trying to sort out who God is and what it looks like to follow him and can we really trust the Bible and can we really, just some really, I think, important questions that oftentimes we aren't given the freedom to ask and answer. And so we spent some time 10 or 11 weeks, really, just exploring some of those questions. In fact, my uh, own daughter, who is 22 years old, uh, texted me uh, last week or the week before and said, dude, you've been uh, asking and answering some really good questions lately on the podcast. So there you go. My own daughter thinks they're good questions. Uh, if you've ever had any questions about faith or doubt, just things you're wrestling with, you might go back and check out some of those previous episodes, look at some of those questions, and uh, just uh, check out the ones that might be particularly helpful to you. Uh, and if you've got more questions, feel free to email me, and uh, I might work those into some future episodes, or maybe I could just answer those via email for you as well. We are starting, therefore, since we wrap that up, starting a new series um, today on this episode where I'm just going to do something a little bit different. And it may not be as uh, well thought out or well organized, but I want to jump into some Old Testament with you, uh, particularly Old Testament law, uh, the books of Moses and the law of the Old Testament stuff that oftentimes as Christians we we just don't explore very much. Uh, you know, if you've been in a Bible reading program and you get a couple months into it and all of a sudden you find yourself with the book of Leviticus and you're like, your eyes are bugging out and you're like, what in the world, right? Like you check out at that point um, and you find it a good cure for insomnia. I don't know, but we just don't spend a whole lot of time with the Old Testament law. And the reality is, is I am working on some writing projects that uh, are requiring me to to put some thoughts together uh, on particularly holiness uh, throughout the Bible, but part of it is holiness in the Old Testament law. And, uh, man, I, I really want to nail those writing projects. And then as I started researching and reading and thinking and pulling together various thoughts I've had over the years, and uh, I just think this would be helpful to a lot of people. I think it would be helpful to people who, like, they try to read their Bible and they're like, I just am going to avoid that stuff, Right. So that's that's my hope and my heart over the next handful of weeks. I don't even really know how long it's going to be. I just want to explore some of that with you, give you a framework for how to think about the Old Testament law so we can read it productively, um, look at some of those passages on holiness from the Old Testament law, help us realize that the law shaped Jesus' worldview 
shaped Jesus' understanding of God, shaped Jesus' view of himself, um, that, that the law is worth our time as uh, followers of Jesus today. Even though uh, we tend to spend most of our time with the New Testament, the law is the roots of all of that. And you can't really understand the culmination of the story without understanding the roots of the story. And so over the next handful of weeks, I just want to explore some various themes, various things out of the Old Testament law, hoping that it'll help all of us read it better, understand our Bible more, understand God more, understand Jesus more, holiness more, what it means to follow Jesus in our time and place. All right, so that's where I want to go over the next handful of months and just exploring some of that. And to begin with, I just want to raise this particular question. And that question is, is the law a blessing or a burden? Um, and I think for a lot of us as Christians, the way we've tended to think about the law, the way oftentimes we've been taught about the law is just in error. And it causes us to have a perspective on the law that is not in sync with the way the law was intended to be read, the way the law and the reason the law was given, when we're talking law, we're talking Old Testament law, and how a, a faithful, devout, God-fearing Jew from Jesus' day backwards to David's day, all the way backwards to Moses' day, how somebody who really loved God and wanted to follow him, how they felt about and how they viewed the law. Listen to some of these texts. This is Psalm 19. Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much pure gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned in keeping them. There is great reward. Like The psalmist writing here in Psalm 19 is like, he looks at God's law, the stuff written in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. He looks at that and he's like, ah, this restores the soul. This gives wisdom. This brings joy to my heart, brings light to my eyes. Man, it, it is a massive blessing to my life. The, the same is true when you go to Psalm 119. That was Psalm 19. What about Psalm 119? Like Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And the whole thing is a massive tribute to, praise to, um, God's law. Like, over and over. Like, I, I think it's all but two verses explicitly in some way mention God's law. And it's just this tribute to how wonderful, how great God's law is. Like, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, right? Like, you, you know, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping them according to your, your word, your law, your commandments? Just this tribute to God's law in Psalm 119. Read it. Verse 97 says this in Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all day long. Or Psalm 1, really echoing the same thing. Psalm 1 says, how blessed is the person 
who doesn't walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He's going to be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf doesn't wither. And everything he does, he flourishes. Like Psalm 1 is this again. Like if you will walk according to God's law, again, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, these books, right? Like you walk according to God's law, your life is going to flourish. It's a blessing, right? So what's up with that? Like this doesn't sound like a burden. This doesn't sound like, oh man, the law, right? It doesn't sound like that at all. And yet when you listen to Christians talk about the Old Testament law, you never get that idea. You never get the idea that the law is this beautiful, good blessing that was given to people that restores the soul and gives wisdom to the simple and rejoices the heart and guides one in the path of life is something to love, right? Makes your life flourish. It just I listen to Christians talk about the Old Testament law, and it's like, oh man, all those commands and all those rules and all those rituals, and you know, it's all about trying to earn your your salvation and your way. And it's like, just look at that, man. There's no way we could do all of that. And so, is the law a blessing or a burden? Is it a blessing or a burden? And when you listen to what some of those things we just read from the Psalm. Clearly, they're speaking of it as if it's a blessing. Well, maybe, maybe Old Testament Jews and Old Testament writers, because they didn't know any better, they thought it was a blessing, but definitely not the New Testament. Well, here's the Apostle Paul. Listen to this. Remember the Apostle Paul, the one who's, you know, the 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 chief promoter of salvation by faith and grace, right? Like the one who celebrated Jesus. This is what Paul said, Romans chapter 7. Which, in the context of Romans 7, yes, he's saying some pretty harsh things about the law, but that's not his overall perspective. This is what he says, Romans chapter 7, verse 12. So then, the law, we're talking Old Testament law, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good, and good. Like That's the Apostle Paul's perspective on the things written in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's, it's holy and righteous and good. Like The law was actually a good gift. Um, the law itself was not bad. That's what Paul is saying. Now, the, the fact that humans struggled to keep it, the fact that we humans were flawed and broken and thus struggled to keep it, that caused some problems uh, because people misused the law. That caused some problems. But, but Paul's fundamental belief is what he says there in Romans 7, 12, that the law is holy and righteous and good. And that's what you see in the law itself. So as we read through the Old Testament law, when we're talking about the law, we're talking about the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. When we narrow it down a little bit, we're looking at so many of the commands that show up in the second half of Exodus through the book of Leviticus that they get restated again in the book of Deuteronomy. That's what we're talking about by the law. And when you read that, the law uh, was actually given by its own testimony, by God's word, by God's design. The law was given as a gift for the good of Israel. And even though it was given to Israel as a good gift to them, by extension, it was also intended to be a, a gift light for the nations surrounding Israel. Listen to Deuteronomy 
chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Now, this is Moses speaking to the second generation of Jews who came out of the Exodus, right? So in the book of Deuteronomy, what you get is a restatement of the law because it's now been uh, 40 or so years of living nomadically in the desert, and now they're preparing to enter into the promised land. And so Moses restates the law for those who came out of Egypt, but, but whose parents have now died, and they're ready to take the land themselves. And this is what he says to them, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people's who will hear and see these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Do you hear that? That Moses is saying to the, the nation of Israel, he's saying, be sure to keep these laws. Be sure to do them, because if you do them, then the nations surrounding you will look at you and they'll say, man, this nation is a wise and understanding people. Do you hear that? The law uh, from their own belief was intended to make Israel a wise and understanding nation that the rest of the nations could look at and say, man, we could learn something from them. goes on in verse 7 and says, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or, verse 8, whatever, What great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I'm setting before you today? Like, the law was intended... To, to give wisdom and understanding and righteousness to Israel so that they could be a righteous and good and wise people so that the nations surrounding them would see the light and wisdom from their law and really be drawn to God and be drawn to their understanding of truth. And that's powerful for us to hear, that the law was intended to be given for the good of Israel. In fact, as Moses writes these things to them, or actually speaks these things to them originally, when Moses is delivering these messages to the generation in Deuteronomy that's about to enter into the promised land, why does Moses um, keep telling them they need to keep the law? And why does he, on behalf of God, so really God, want them to keep the law? Well, listen, here's Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40. So then, you shall keep uh, God's statutes and his commandments, which I'm giving you today, so that, notice, it may go well for you and for your children after you, that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Or again, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33, you shall walk entirely in the way which the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live. And it may go well for you, and that it may prolong your days in the land which you will possess. Or Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 3. Now, Israel, you shall listen and be careful to do them, so that it may go well for you, and that you may increase greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Did you hear the repeated phrase, that it may go well with you, that you may live and prosper, that it may go well with you? Like over and over again in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, as he's delivering this message to the people, that's what he says. That's the motivational appeal. I'm telling you this, I want you to do it so that it'll go well for you so that you can really live and have life. This is Moses and God saying, this is for your good. This is good for you. Um, it'll make life work for you. 
do these things that I'm telling you so that you can really live. And the assumption behind all of that is that God is the creator and God knows how life is designed to work. He, he knows how a society best works. And so he's, he's giving Israel these commands to help them be a wise and understanding people so that it can go well with them in life. That's what's going on. Now, to be fair, some of it is very odd to us, isn't it? Some of it, like even now, we're still just not sure what it's really talking about or what it's getting at. Like Some of it's hard to understand, like why that law? Why that rule? What, what does that mean? Some of it's just hard. Some of it's because like it's their culture. It's their world. And we're 15, uh, we're 3,500 years removed from it, right? Like, like it, it's 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 hard to understand some of that. Um, some of it is odd to us because it's like, well, why that? I would expect God would do something different. We have to understand that that God. This is just the way God works. The the Bible is fundamentally a story of God working with humanity, and He takes people where He finds them. And so this is God taking Israel where he found them. It's not God giving, you know, rules for a perfect society. It's God giving rules to Israel to be a wise and understanding people in their time and place. As one scholar described it, what you find in the law is God's ways in Moses's days. God's ways in Moses's days. And that, we have to understand that. So this is written in the terms of their culture with this people that God has just brought out of Egypt and all that they saw and learned in Egypt, the surrounding cultures around them. Like he is setting them apart from those cultures and yet he's taking them where he finds them and he's trying to move them closer to his ways and to his wisdom. And so some of it's just hard for us to understand. Some of it is stuff that, in the course of time, um, is going to be, you know, they're going to grow out of, they're going to change. Um, and God's plan is going to develop and grow as cultures and nations grow, right? So we have to understand that. And just because we struggle to understand some of it doesn't mean it's all bad. Doesn't mean we can, you know, wipe our forehead and say, whew, I'm so glad we don't have to do all of that as if it's all bad. It was given to be a blessing to Israel and to the surrounding nations. It was given to give life and wisdom and understanding to them. And so that's the first thing we need to do if we're going to read the law well, is we need to understand it's not a burden, it's a blessing. And it intends to bring wisdom and understanding to God's people in Moses's days. And then we can we can read it and we can learn from it and we can hear some of God's wisdom. We can hear some of his um, grace and uh, truth and his values and his priorities as we read it and read it well. And so we'll talk about some things over the next handful of episodes that'll help us read it well. But it was given to be a blessing. Uh, that's why when you when you watch Jesus, it's clear that he's been shaped by the law. He's been shaped by Deuteronomy. He quotes Deuteronomy routinely and regularly. Like in his wilderness 
um, his own wilderness wandering where he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's kind of almost um, reliving the story of Israel in his own experience out in the desert. He's been meditating on Deuteronomy. It's obvious. Why? Because when the devil comes to tempt him, what does he do? He, three times he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy. He's been med meditating on Deuteronomy, you know, like chapters 4 through 11, if not the whole book. He's been processing it, thinking about it, letting it shape who he is, shape his experience. And so when the devil comes to tempt him, he just he can just rebuff the devil by quoting the book of Deuteronomy. It was intended to shape God's people and to help him understand God's value system and priorities in the world. And so this, the law, was given to be a blessing, not a burden. And so we need to le learn to read it that way and not run it down and say, oh, the law is just all those rules and all those rituals that we can never keep. And we're so glad we don't have to do all of that today. Yes, there are rules and rituals, but in their historical context, uh, they, that was very normal and very typical. And there, there's some incredible wisdom in some of those things. And then there's all sorts of ethical values and family values and even social and societal values that can be really instructive to us that undergird much of what we find in the New Testament. And so let's learn to read the law as a blessing and not a burden. And if we do that, that'll actually help us know God more, know Jesus more, and live more fully in our own context in relationship with God and with Jesus. All right, we'll, we'll continue to explore some of that in the episodes to come. Hope that at least was helpful to get us started and give you a fresh perspective on the Old Testament law. Look forward to exploring some of these things with you. Next time, I want to give you sort of like a, a narrative framework for understanding the Old Testament law so that we can see that really the law is just a part of a story and that story is really important and when we understand the context of the story it shifts how we think about the law so we'll jump into that next week on the bible and life i hope you guys have a wonderful week this week god bless you guys i look forward to talking to you again next